Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello again. I'm Ken Rundle and this time I'm with Philip Cosgrave, Yara's country grassland specialist. He's going to help me explore the options for those managing swards for grazing or winter feed. Philip, here in the east we've had some rain to address the moisture deficits, but I know further west it's been much wetter. What's your impression of how grassland's doing across the UK and Ireland? Certainly May was pretty good um, in most areas, but I think in in June we've seen dips in grass growth rates for different reasons. Uh, maybe in the east is to, to do with soil moisture deficits, um, but whether it's in the western side of of uh, Britain, or if we go into Northern Ireland or into the Republic of Ireland, um, we saw kind of temperatures dipping in in June. Uh, nighttime temperatures were 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 below what would be kind of would be normal, and I think that has definitely checked growth rates in um, June in, in in many areas, and we're seeing that then in the likes of Grass Check GB grass check Northern Ireland or whether it's in pasture base um, you know growth curves here at the, you know that the, it's it's down um, below the 10-year average at the moment but look as as temperatures have heated up and um, if we get some rain I think um, you know I think grass growth rates should kick on but I, I see um, pretty much from those you know intensive grazers that are operating kind of rotational systems that um yeah, that they're going a little bit tight on grass where it's just about matching demand at the moment. Um, so, look, I suppose it's important for those guys anyway to maintain their rotation length at, you know, 20 to 23 or four days um, and not to go around any quicker than that and, and maybe supplement to try and, um, you know, keep that um, average farm cover up. Well, let's look at some of those next steps and starting with the graziers. This time last year, as prices started to rise, there was talk of some farmers cutting back on things like phosphate and potash. That can't be repeated, surely. When farmers were cutting back last at the end of, towards the end of last year, Ken, um, we thought this was only a kind of a temporary blip, these these high phosphate, high fertilizer prices in general. But it, it looks um, like that it's not a temporary blip. So I guess farmers are are, are, are faced with the the, the choice now of you know do we wait do we take further phosphate and potash holidays here and wait for prices to drop before we you know we reapply and then kind of, and then make up for previous um deficits or do we kind of go with phosphate and potash now and as in npks or npks products and i would think that on on particularly on dairy farms i think the um the i suppose the 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 increase in 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 milk prices will probably um, you know hopefully I suppose give farmers wriggle room there to um, top up on 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 P and K particularly you know there's no point in applying um, you know nitrogen at, at the same rates as you always do as phosphate and potash fertility um, decrease when you're not going to get the 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 uh, the value of that nitrogen. Um, if phosphate and potash soil fertility keep keep dropping. So it is a case of really checking that through. So so the progress from now on, the applications now on would be what? Well, pretty much the, the overall application rate, say 
for for grazing, um, I wouldn't be so worried about potash if potash indices were already um, pretty healthy. But phosphate, if you look at it, that um, a thousand liters of milk um, removes, you know, somewhere around about two point three kgs of phosphate um, in that thousand liters of milk. So on 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 you know intensive you know on particularly on dairy farms that are operating rotational grazing systems you know you can you can see there how um phosphate in particularly is an important one to to watch out for and that um it can you know it it certainly um you may not see the the impact of it this year but you will see the impact of of lower soil phosphate levels next year so um, we would be looking at, 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 at a minimum of, of maintenance of phosphate would be, you know, 20 kgs of phosphate over the course of the year. Um, but probably, um, you know, looking at intensive grazers who are grazing more, you know, who have higher, um, who are growing more grass, you know, that's probably on the lower end of it. You're probably looking at needing to apply a little bit more than that to replace offtakes. But, you know, a, a good, you know, um, back of a cigarette packet calculation for for if you call, I want to call it that um, you know that if you know how much milk you're producing off grass you can kind of do a calculation up to see what are the actual offtakes from that so that's a good indication of how much phosphate you need need on your your grazing platform. Well, that's grazing. What about the silage in hayfields? Well, for it's nearly the reverse, Ken, and that um, silage fields have have um, a very high um, requirement for um, for potash. So if we kind of look at it, that you know, at, on on a three cut silage system, that you know, probably uh, midway or a little bit, probably more than midway on a second growing the second cut at the moment. But if, you know, typically on a three cut, you're looking at maybe somewhere between forty five and and fifty tons of fresh weight being produced, and that's that's probably around about twelve tons of dry matter. And for each one of those tons of dry matter, you're you're conservatively taking off, I suppose, 33 kgs of, of potash and 7 kgs of phosphate per hectare. So you can see how there's a big difference there between potash and phosphate um, offtakes there on silage systems. Now, a lot of silage um, farmers growing silage will have organic manures um, to fill that deficit. And generally on, on dairy farms that are, um, that are on three cuts or even you know, four and five cut systems, um, they're generally um, soil phosphate indices are pretty good because of the amount of concentrate that they're feeding their cows. But certainly potash needs to be carefully watched because, um, uh, you know, potash can, can levels in soils can, can, can drop very quickly um, depending on, on soil type. So that is something and we know that um, if, you know, similarly to the grazing situation, if you're putting on um, nitrogen, um, and there's low potash fertility, soil potash fertility, well, then you're not going to get the return on that nitrogen um, if, because it's more than likely that the potash is, is, is limiting um, the effectiveness of the, of, of the nitrogen in those instances. It all comes down to nutrient efficiency, and that's something you really do like to stress. Yes, and it's not so. It's, it's you know, there tends to be, um, we all gravitate to talking about nitrogen and sulfur, but the other nutrients are, are equally as important um so you know look at, at um you know what's been applied um up to this point you know particularly after second cuts have been have been harvested and um, look at what's been applied at that stage 
um, you know, and uh, and also take into account of what way you're actually applying that slurry, and you know if there's a still a, a good deal of slurry to be applied for fertilized third cuts, well then you need to take that into account, um, for when you're um, you know, calculating what the, the amount of fertilizer you need, and particularly nitrogen as well. And we kind of go with that two units or two and a half kgs per day um, as a requirement for for a third cut. So, you know, you can calculate the the the, um, the nitrogen rates there for third cuts quite easily. But certainly for P's and K's, um, you need to do a kind of a, a calculation of what's been applied um, and then topping it up with either slurry or um, some sort of mineral fertilizer, NPKS product. This is the time of year when we start to see more weeds in the fields and paddocks. Some folk address that with herbicides, and you've got an interesting observation on the value of adding a Yara Vita product to any tank mix. We've we've found um, you know customers who have come back um, telling us that where um, on, on grassland um, there wouldn't be a, a huge deal of 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 Yara Vita products. So these are foliar micronutrient products being applied on grassland. But um, these particular customers were saying how how well um, one particular product was working as as uh, um, when added to a tank mix when um, when using herbicides in grassland. And I suppose it does make sense. You know, a lot of herbicides um, are used on grassland. You know, after first cuts or after second cuts, where um, you know your your weeds are in that kind of vegetative stage, and it's a good opportunity to to hit them with a herbicide. Um, and by adding the, this Yara Vita CropLift Pro to the actual tank mix, they've found a very a more effective kill um, on the actual um, target species. Um, and also that it doesn't seem to, um, we often see when, when we apply herbicide on grassland, we see um, that the actual herbicide checks the grass growth, um, particularly on, on, on you know, new reseeds. Um, and where this crop lift was was included in, ta- in the in the tank mix, um, it seemed that um, a lot of the, that 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 it, it seemed to solve a lot of that checking that that can happen when you apply herbicides on on you know grass wards and particularly on 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 on, on new lays. It's helpful that um, you know it gives a shot of of I suppose nutrients to that you know those germinating seedlings as well. And it helps actually kind of fill out the sward. It helps to tiller them um, and kind of fill out those bare patches quicker, which I suppose um, reduces the the uh, competition from from weeds. With the weeds, you, what you seem to be suggesting is that the CropLift Pro gets them moving faster, but that also means that they translocate the herbicide around them, around their systems much more quickly and therefore the kills quicker. Yeah, that's correct. And, and down into the roots as well, because there's no point in just having this kind of local effect. And if the roots haven't got um, haven't got that um, the active ingredient, the herbicides um, look translocated down into them, well, then you may then have those weeds then surviving. Um, they may be just checked and then they, they, they reappear later on in the season or next year. You've already alluded to the need for farmers to be cost conscious and they know that themselves and efficient given the price of inputs. Have you noticed anything innovative that farmers are doing or growing to address the challenges at the moment? I think the the big thing, um, Ken, would be um, the use of of clover. Um, I was on one farm in Wales there um, 
a few weeks ago and the farmer had purchased two ton of, of white clover seed that they were going to over. So, um, a, you know, they're running a, um, two, two, two uh, milking platforms and they're going to use that over the course of the, um, the season to stitch in clover um, to try and reduce the, um, the nitrogen requirements um, of those swards. Um, but also there's farmers trying herbal lays um, you know, dipping their toes in that farmers that maybe um, may not have may have tried it, but have tried it sooner than they thought they would have. Um, in the, I suppose, just to because there's a lot of benefits to herbal lays, but but also I suppose herbal lays have um, they don't work um, probably just as well on 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 all soil types. Um, so where I guess it's it's a it's a good idea with anything like this. That you kind of uh, try it out on in one or two fields to see how it how it works on those, um, because I suppose uh, ultimately it's quite expensive to establish these herbal lays or you know going to the the the, the cost of of um, cultivation and establishing these new lays, um, and if they don't work, it can be a um, yeah it can be quite a, a considerable cost. So it's best to just try it, dip your dip your toe in it. Um, and try them and I think a lot of farmers have have, have tried herbal lays and are looking at to incorporate white clover into perennial ryegrass wards as well. I know you're a great believer in annual nutrient plans have you any comments to make for this particular season or this particular part of the season? Well it's it's worth kind of uh, you know we'd, we'd, we'd like that most farmers would have a nutrient plan in place for the beginning of the season but now is a good time to kind of review that nutrient plan um, and to see what's, you know, how it's faring, whether, um, you know, whether you're behind or in front of, of what's, you know, required to, you know, optimize soil fertility and whatever um, system you've got going. So I would say that, you know, P and K are certainly, I, I you know, we noticed that um, a lot of farmers have reduced their P and K applications and, and that might be fine. Um, where soil test results indicate that you know, you know, if soil fertility is good, um, well then there's room to, to reduce P and K, and that that's actually a good thing. But for those that are kind of on on, on the lower spectrum of, of soil fertility, so at index, you know, uh, low well index zero or one or on the low side of two, you know, those farmers need to be very careful um, of you know of you know what their actual if 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 they need to apply um, P and K or whether they can, um, you know, divert um, organic manures from places that have higher soil fertility to places that have lower soil fertility. But, but certainly, um, you know, there's no free lunches when it comes to maintaining soil P and K fertility. So if you don't do it this year, you're going to have to do twice as much next year. And soil analysis, therefore, is vitally important. It, you don't let that kind of thing slip. No, it's it's actually more important with 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 in in, in the current environment um, than normal can. Well, this is the time when I normally ask for key messages you want listeners to take from this podcast. Uh, what would be your bullet points? You know, look at nutrient plans and see where you are. And I think farmers need to make an, an important um, choice um, with regards to topping up on P and K if they're short. Um, I don't think that the, the, the high costs we are experiencing currently um, 
I don't think they're going to go. Um, they're not going to go away. Um, and, and who knows when? Uh, you know, fertilizer prices may return to to um, to those experienced a, a year or two ago. But um, I certainly would would hope that farmers keep an eye on P and K um, levels and also look at sulfur applications, particularly during these hotter months, these, you know, June, July and August, where we see that um, research to show that, you know, sulfur applications during these months um, help to alleviate some of the impact of soil moisture deficits on, on, on grass growth. Good. Thank you, Philip Cosgrave. In what are rapidly changing times, some simple but significant messages for grass farmers to use as they see fit. The next podcast will focus on fruit and the latest research findings. So join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.